Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Grace Church. My name is Kevin Newsom. I'm one of the elders here, and it's my pleasure to welcome everybody here, especially to those uh, school teachers and administrators from Grace Christian Academy. Um, it's such a pleasure to see you guys serving those young children every day like you do throughout the year. Um, let me pray before I start. Lord, I thank you for this day that you've given us. I thank you for the opportunity we have to hear from your word. I ask that you would speak through me, that you would move me out of the way so your words can reach each heart that needs to be reached today. Lord, I pray that each person here would hear the words and take them to heart, and Lord, that we would apply these words to our lives as well. I ask that you would move any distractions from our lives that might keep us from hearing you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so first I'm going to give you guys a little uh, a recap of our previous messages that we had, because this is my message is the fourth in a series that we've had going on called How to Think as God's Church. The first message was given by one of our missionaries, whose name is uh, excuse me, Roger Everett, titled Divinity of Christ, where he shared that Jesus is the answer for each one of us, whether we're saved or whether we're not. The second message was given by Elder James Schaefer, titled Unity, where he shared that our purpose in the church is to be unified in the past, in the present, and in the future, and to be a blessing to the world and to prepare us for the world that, uh, for when Jesus returns. Third message was given by Elder George Kenyon Dewey last week, titled Purity, where he shared that God's desire is for each of us to be conformed to the image of Christ through the Holy Spirit, and that is called sanctification in our lives. My message today is entitled Passion to Serve, as you guys can see, and I'm totally excited about this because this is one of my big passions, is to serve people in the body of Christ. Um, so when I start a message or when I look at the scriptures, I like to ask the questions that we were taught in school, which is who, what, when, where, why, and how, because I want to know how this scripture can apply to me how it can apply to my life, does it apply to my life, or is it just a lesson that I can learn from this? So my first point that I have is, why should we serve? Why is my first question, why should we serve? What is our motivation to serve? And as you can see here, um, and just so you guys know, in your worship guides, it does have on the back places for you to fill in these blanks that I'll be sharing with you. We have Jesus' example and his commands. Jesus commands us many, many, many times to be serving each other. And when you look at Matthew um, 20, 28, it says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Then we, we can go to John 12, 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So we have, and, and of course, those aren't all the examples of Jesus teaching us to serve. There are many in, in the scriptures. When Jesus is at the Last Supper with his disciples and all those who are in the upper room, he takes off his outer garments, he puts on a towel, and he goes around and actually washes, washes the disciples' feet. Now, you have to understand, in that day and time, washing somebody's feet that was usually the lowest person in the household's duty to do that because you understand that when they, where they grew up at, there was dirt everywhere. You wore sandals. Your feet were dirty. That was one of the things that happened. But Jesus took that opportunity to share with his disciples 
that they should do that same thing as well, that they should be willing to step down and serve however God has asked them to serve. Okay, so we can learn from that. Jesus also, when he went out to preach, he met people's needs. He served them. There were blind people that he, that he healed. There were lame people that he healed. There were people who needed food. He served them as well. So what, what I'm learning from this and have been learning for years is the reason that we serve a lot of times is so that people will be able to hear the gospel, that when we present it to them. Because sometimes people really don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And that is something that we as believers need to show, that we love them. That we love them not because we want to get them to come to church. We don't love them because we want to get something from them. We love them because we know what eternal life is, and they don't have it. So our mission is to serve them so we have an opportunity to do that. And we have missionaries that go around the world, and I know that there are some here that are, are, are fixing to go in the next couple weeks. There are some who've been missionaries, and that's one of the things they do when they go into a new area is they start seeing how they can serve people. They may serve them through medical needs. They may serve them through just helping to do things. They earn the opportunity to share Jesus with these people. So we can learn from that, that one of our missions is to, is to uh, follow Jesus' examples. The next motivation we have is love. And Jesus talks about this a lot. And if you guys understand the New Testament, excuse me, there are three Greek words that are translated as love that, that we use. There is one called phileo. That is the brotherly love that comes from just a friendly affection and brotherly love. The second one is eros. That's the marital love that husband and wife have. But the third one is what's called agape or agape, depending on how you pronounce it, which this is the love that God has for each one of us. That's the unconditional sacrificial love. When Jesus, well, I'm sorry, let me back up. In John 3.16, which we all know, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He sacrificed his own son for us. That's the kind of love that we should have, that, that this agape love is. And if you look throughout the scriptures in the New Testament, you'll see that agape love is just everywhere. Um, and I'll just key on a few verses here. Galatians 5, 13b and through 14 says, serve one another through love. This is that love. This is that sacrificial love. This is that love that is not a feeling. This is that love that is an action. Um, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in this statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, most of us, and I say most of us, tend to want to love ourselves more. We want to get what we want to get. We want to be fulfilled in how we want to be fulfilled. But that's not what Jesus is calling us to do. Jesus is calling us to serve others sacrificially. Jesus is calling us to do that in such a way that it's not that gushy feeling that we think we have when we first meet this new young lady or new young man, but it's that commitment to love them. Next up, <clears throat> this, is a, this is one of my favorite verses here, and it's Matthew 22, uh, verses 35 through 40. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, what is the great command in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Now, we know that uh, George talked about this last week, but there is more on this. 
says this is the first and great commandment, or first and foremost commandment. This is the first in importance is to love God first. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. Now we know that the, that the Ten Commandments talks about loving the Lord in the first ones and then loving neighbors as, as yourself in the seconds. And then we have one of my other favorite verses, which I think pretty much all the verses in, my, in the Bible are my favorite. But anyways, it says, if you love me, and this is a conditional statement, if you love me, then, when we're in school and we learn what these things, what these if-then commands are or what these if-then statements are, it means this has to happen in order to show that this is happening. And that's where this verse comes in. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, Jesus says. So, do we really love Jesus? Do we keep his commandments? His commandments aren't burdensome. His commands are there for us to learn how to live. Next up, we have gratitude. This is going to be something that took me a long time to really understand what this was about. So I'm going to go here, and if you guys can turn in your Bibles now, because this is a big section, but I'm not going to read the whole thing, okay? But this is Luke 7, 36 through 43. <clears throat> now, this is when Jesus went to one of the Pharisees' houses, and he was eating with the Pharisees and others. Um, and a woman heard that he was there. This woman came in, and she brought in some expensive perfume. She started um, anointing Jesus' feet. She was crying and wiping Jesus' feet with her tears. And so she was giving him and doing for him, again, what I talked about, about washing people's feet, the lowest person in the house to, would do, household would do. She was doing this. And the, the Pharisee said within himself, you know what? If he only knew who this woman is that's washing his feet, he would tell her to go away, basically. Um, but Jesus uh, shared with him this. He said, hey, Simon, listen to me. A money lender has two debtors. The one owed him 500 denarii. Now, denarii was basically one day's worth of wages. So this person owed him 500. That's one and a half years worth of wages. He owed this to them, to that, uh, to the, to that debtor. When, uh, uh, oh, sorry, and then the other one owed him 50. When, the, when they were unable to pay, he canceled the debts of both of them. So which of them would love him more? Now, this is a, probably a, twi a trick question uh, because I think he wants to hear maybe something different than the guy says, but the guy says this. Simon answered and said, I assume the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged correctly. Now, the reason I said, said that, that this might be a question that is trying to check where his heart is at, is because we, oh, let me switch to the next verse, um, we must each come to realize that we have been forgiven much, whether we become a believer when we're five or six years old, or whether we become a believer when we're fixing to pass away, and we hear the deathbed conversion type thing. Um, excuse me, sorry, got to push it, point it at the right place. So, uh, so anyways, um, how much have we been forgiven, each one of us? And according to Romans 6, 23, for the wages, this is what we earn for our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So what we earn is death for one sin, 
not all the multitude of sins we create, that we have every day, not the ones that we've been doing since we, since we were born, pretty much, but just one sin. And we need to understand that my one sin is more important to God than all the other sins that I might do. And I, when I say that, I mean the one sin of not accepting Jesus as our Savior is the most important sin that we do. Um, so, do we truly understand the magnitude of, our, of the statement? Do we understand how much we've been forgiven? How much should we be grateful for the sins that we have committed and been forgiven for? Again, it should be everything to us because we understand what this is. Next up, how should we serve? And this is going to be a fill-in-the-blank for you, and it's a long blank, and it's a long fill-in. But we should serve as unto the Lord. Understanding that all we do for people is to point them to Jesus, is to God. So we look at Colossians 3.17, says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And then a few verses later, in Colossians 3.23, says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men. So each thing that we do to serve others is really to serve God, ultimately. Next up, this is my favorite one, with zeal. We don't talk about that word very much. I'll get to that in a minute. With fervency, with passion. So I, I, I had to look up some of these words because I kind of thought I had an idea of what they meant. Zeal, I looked up. And this is having or showing great, I'm sorry, zeal is enthusiastic devotion to a cause. When you think about Paul before he was Paul and he was called Saul, how he was persecuting Christians. He was persecuting them with fervency. He was persecuting them with zeal. He did it thinking that he was doing what he should have been doing. He talked about in Romans where he did all those things ignorantly in unbelief because he didn't know any better. So that's what zeal is. Fervent, again, that's a word we don't use nowadays very often, but fervent is having or showing great emotion or zeal. Now, of course, I did mine out of order, but that's okay. But the zeal is the enthusiasm. I think um, in my life, I see some people who have much zeal. I think of people who are fanatic sports fans, maybe, who are totally excited when their team comes on, whether it's the Giants or whether it's the Dolphins or whether it's the, what's that new team, the Commanders? Um, which makes no sense, but anyways, that's beside the point. But listen, there are people who will dress up with cheese heads on for some of the football teams. That's the zeal that they have. That's what we should have as our passion for serving. We should do whatever it takes. Sometimes it means making a fool out of yourself because you go up to somebody and say, hey, do you know who Jesus is? And they'll be like, come on, dude, leave me alone. I don't, want to, I don't know who your Jesus is, and I don't care. It's a made-up story, blah, 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 all the things that they say. But sometimes we got to go out on that uh, limb, so to say. Again, I shared about Paul and Saul. What about when we come across people who are serving us out in the world? Um, I think of Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is my, probably my favorite restaurant around here. And if you think about it, all those people are there to serve you. And you know that that's what they're there for. They say, it's my pleasure to serve. They have a good attitude. They have the right um, passion um, to serve. They are taught that that is the most important thing about, uh, about uh, serving people, is that they see 
that you're really serving them because you want to. We've also been to restaurants where, well, how do I say this? That person just brings you a drink, throws it down, what can I get you? All those things with the wrong attitude. They're serving with the wrong attitude, and we don't want that to be us. We don't want people to look at us and say, y'all Christians, you are just trying to feel good about yourself. You are trying to make yourself look good. You're trying to do all these things, but we need to show them that it's really about our love for them. That's the reason that we're there sharing with them. So next up, and this is, a, this is another one of my favorite verses, Romans 12, 10 through 11, says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one, uh, one another in honor, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, I, I, I wonder why sometimes the scripture is put together in the way that it is. And I think fervent in spirit is in front of, of serving the Lord because that's where we need to be at. That's where we need to focus our time and energy is being fervent in the spirit. Now, does that mean going and uh, going up to somebody and thumping them overhead with the Bible? Probably not. That doesn't usually work, but there are times when you need to do that where you need to do those kinds of things. Um, But fervent in spirit, they need to see it. Um, Next up is how should we serve according to our spiritual gifting. Now, This is something that a lot of people don't really understand what spiritual gifts are. And if you don't know what your gifts are, talk to some of the elders. We'll help you guys find out what they are. Um, Sorry. Um, So, yeah, if you don't know what your spiritual spiritual gift is, we can help you with that. And I'm going to go back one because I wasn't done with that. Okay, so, again, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, talk to us we can help you find out what that is. Now, spiritual gifts are given by God through the Holy Spirit when we're, when we're saved. There are, if I remember correctly, there are 14 spiritual gifts, but there may be more depending on how you, how you look at it. Um, but we can help you figure those out. Now, does that mean that I shouldn't serve to fill a need when there's a need? Of course not. I don't think that's, that's true. So that's why I put that here, to fill a need until we or you can discover what our gifts are. Because there are times when, you know, I have to do things that I don't want to do. And, and I'm, not pick, I'm not saying me, I'm saying we in general have to do things that, that are, we think, you know, somebody else could take care of that. But no, we step up and we serve because we want to serve the body, whatever it takes. If it means moving tables, if it means moving chairs, if it means vacuuming, if it means anything, including helping out nursery. Guys, that's a big need that some of us don't feel that we're led to do, but it's a need that we have at our church all the time. So it's not something that's below you. It's something that is where you need to be at. All right, next up, when should we serve? <coughs> Excuse me. So the scripture talks about in Galatians 6.10, and I'm adding some emphasis here of my own. So then, while we, while we have opportunity... While we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, there are times when, I'll just pick, for instance, young lady just had a baby. She may not have any time because she doesn't have opportunity to serve the body the way, the way that I'm talking about here, but she's serving her family. So there are times when we cannot serve for various reasons. We may have health issues. We may have all kinds of things. But our attitude should be towards serving whenever we can and while we have opportunity. Now, opportunities come and go. 
as we know, sometimes there's you know, things that are going to be coming up that um, are only going to happen once, and we can help out during that thing, and that's okay. We're serving the one time. There are other opportunities that we have, and I'm going to talk about those more in just a minute, that are ongoing service opportunities. So let me flip to the next thing. Did I, did I read that verse? Yes, okay. Okay, so now that we know this, how can we apply this in our lives? Number one, according to James 1.22, and this is, again, one of my favorite verses, but be doers of the Word. Got to be doing what the Word says, and not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And the Scripture talks about even further about, you know, when you do these things, you're, you're only deceiving yourself. Everybody else can see it. They know what, what, what's going on in your life. Um, so we've got to be doers of the Word. We have to be serving one another in love. There are, I don't even remember how many one another there are in the Scriptures, but there's a lot of them there that we can be serving one another with. Um, next up, pray. And I probably should have put this first, but I wanted to put the other one first so we can see why. Pray about where God would have us serve. Again, some of these may be short-term. Some of these may be long-term. Some of these may be a life of service, like missionaries, where they've decided, you know what, I'm going to serve God until God says stop, whatever that means. Us, we elders, we elders are serving the body until we die or until God tells us to do something different as well. Um, so we pray about where God would have us serve. We take a spiritual gift survey. We have those available, like I talked about a few minutes ago, where you can learn what your spiritual gifts are, where we can each learn. And then we can help you fit into our, uh, uh, well, what we call our flowchart of ministry, or ministry opportunities flowchart, where we can help you plug into areas where you're at. Now, if you're good with accounting, well, maybe there's an area for you in the financial area. If, there's, if you're good in, if you're an outgoing people person because you're an extrovert, wow, there's needs at the, at the front desk, I'm sorry, at the front doors where you can be greeting people. Next up, sign up to serve in one of our ministry areas. We have ministry opportunities, uh, we have ministry opportunities sign-up sheets at the ministry center out to your left when you walk out the door. We've got lots of opportunities. And I'm just going to highlight a couple because they're very important to me. Number one, children's ministry. We have needs in children's ministry. There are always needs there for teachers, for leaders, for helpers. In Awana, we have many needs in Awana. Um, we have needs for a leader. We have needs for someone to take over my position as the Awana director at some point in time. We have needs where it's only once a week thing that you can serve. We have needs that are going to be coming up very shortly with our food trucks that we're having. We're going to have people that we need to have out there serving, not in a big way, out there greeting people and saying, hey, handing out a little, a, a little bag of things that talk about our church and things about our church. Um, and then I have one more thing I wanted to talk about that I didn't put on my slides, but God put it on me this morning to talk about this, which he always does. And it's serving, my message or my statement is serving God and others requires self-sacrifice. It does. If you're married, you know what that means. If you have children, wow, do you know what that means. As a new parent, you give up a whole lot of what you used to do because you have to take care of this young human being who can't do anything for themselves at all. So it's self-sacrifice, and you give up sleep. 
You give up being able to do the things you used to do. If you're in the military, um, like, like Greg, who just retired uh, a few days ago, you are going to be spending time away from your family, maybe. Maybe for a year at a time. Maybe, and I don't know about anybody here specifically, but maybe you didn't see the birth of your children because you were overseas serving. There are self-sacrificing things that are, that are going on in each of our lives. I think about missionaries, again, as I talked about a few minutes ago. Missionaries take their family they go to another country that they may have never been to. They have to learn languages. They have to learn how to meet the people's needs. They have to spend, yes, I heard culture out there. They have to learn about culture. They have to be, able, be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to take my family, and we're going to move here because God says we're going to be here, and we're going to be serving here. And God, I don't know how long that's going to be. And not just do they sometimes leave their parents behind, but I know that one of our families here is fixing to leave a couple children behind. Now, these are adult children, but they're still children that are going to be left behind, and they're going to be serving off, and the missionaries will be serving elsewhere. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, one of my favorite stories, he asked God, if you will, please take this cup from me. But he finished it up by saying, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself for us, even though we knew it was going to happen, but still the, 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 the pressure and the pain and all those things that were going to go on during that time, he knew what it was. He knew that there was going to be an, a short time where he would be separated from God because of his sin, where God put all the sins of the world on him and punished him during that time. He understood that. Peter, James, John, and Andrew first to Jesus' disciples. They left their parents, which these, these men were fishers. Jesus said, follow me, and they said, okay, I'm going, Dad, and we're leaving. And by the way, you, you, just, you, do, you do your thing, we're going to go serve this Jesus. They left their livelihood, not knowing what Jesus had in store for them, not knowing what Jesus' ministry was going to be about, not knowing what they'd be doing the next day or how they would be getting food even. They had to rely on God fully. Last up is Matthew. <clears throat> Matthew, you have to understand, or called Levi, depending on which verse of the scriptures you're reading, had to leave a position where he might have been hated by the Jews because he was working for the Romans and collecting taxes. But this was a rich guy. He was a very rich guy. They always, if, if your taxes were... $5, they'd say, hey, you need to owe me $6. They would skim off the top. So he was giving up a lot to follow Jesus because that's what they did back then. So he gave up his livelihood too as well, and he had a very good livelihood. So the last question I have, are you willing to serve, and is it worth it when you get to heaven to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? So let me close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity we have to serve, to serve you, to serve others, to serve people who are in need all around the world and even in our next door neighbors. Lord, we have, people have needs where they need to know you. I ask that you would help us to desire to serve people, not out of what we will get out of it, but because we should do it. And Lord, I just pray that you would finish this message in our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Mm.